What's up and welcome to Party Invite, where we invite you to a gaming community of inclusiveness and diversity. Your party members today are Thomas Egan. That's a me. Uh, Carlos Gomez. <laughs> I'm right here. Debbie Hill. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I'm your party leader, Chris Mowry. Uh, today we're going to be talking about collecting games in 2021. Uh, but as always, uh, let's get into what we've been playing. Devi, it says you've been playing Najala, of course. Mm -hmm. But there's a game in here I'm very interested to know more about. Because uh, I just saw it sold uh, a million copies in a week. Valheim. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really interested to talk about that game. But I always <laughs> go first. So Thomas, you're the jump master now. Oh, oh, okay. oh, oh heck. <laughs> Okay, then, oh man, then I got a curveball for you. Uh, so, <laughs> for my girlfriend's birthday, we went to Top Golf, which, uh, for people not in Kansas City, is a monstrous building uh, where you. Top Golf is a national chain, just so you know. Uh, okay, well, yep. for those who don't know, <laughs> uh, it's a tall building that is basically a driving range. So, you go inside the building up onto the side of the building, and then you fire off into the into the field there uh and there are a bunch of different areas you can aim your ball toward um some are really far away some are big some are small uh, uh man your phrasing is something else right now <laughs> uh, i'm loving it um no so there are there's a microchip in every ball so when you hit it uh all these computers like when you go bowling um all these computers show exactly where it landed the trajectory it went the speed all this stuff anyway it's very upscale well uh, my girlfriend's dad took us all out um, for her birthday. And uh, the, the the COVID footnote here is that place was unbelievably packed. But when we got to the outside area, I felt way better about it. Um, I was shocked at how well they handled it. But we went there, and you can just fire off as many balls as you want um, in as much time as you pay for. But you can play mini games as well. And so you can... Uh, play basically a game of horse where you aim somewhere, the other person tries to aim to the same spot. Um, there were like a dozen different games, but at the end of it, we found Angry Birds. Angry Birds was a real game you could play, and it completely forgot about all of the holes that you can aim for, and instead, um, you look on the screen, and it's just a game of Angry Birds. And you can mm. see where it sits in the field as if it was in front of you. Okay. Because you're, you're like... 200 feet in the air or something. I don't know. Feel, maybe you're 100 feet in the air. And uh, you can see, you know, if I need to aim to the left or to the right, then you actually aim your ball to the left or the right in the air, and then you turn and watch the screen, and then Angry Birds happens. Um, that was so much fun because you don't have to be good. You don't even have to swing that hard. Um, it's the most accessible version of that, which is already a pretty accessible uh thing to go out and do and uh man it was a blast it was a blast and that's the first time i've done something out in public like at an event space in a year you know a year and a half um so i had just a blast doing that a, a year yeah i guess it hasn't been quite a year yeah man it just feels whew. um but boy <laughs> that was an un unexpectedly good time i didn't think angry birds was going to be uh the thing that made my weekend I, um, a couple weekends ago. I seriously, when I got a PlayStation VR, I saw that there was an Angry Birds game, and I was like, oh, I bet that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I didn't get it, you know? There's a reason it sells. Yeah. Um, 
so we did that. That was that was great, and I highly recommend it. Um, also, I don't know what I thought Top Golf Golf cost. I mean, it's not cheap, but it's not as expensive as I thought it was. Um, so if you're looking for something to do outside, well, did honestly, you, it was a pretty good recommendation. It can, it can get pretty expensive pretty quickly. Did you? Were you guys all having drinks and eating food and all those things as well? Oh yeah, that's where you spend a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like a movie theater. Right. Exactly. Uh, but that was great. So that's Angry Birds Top Golf, um, and then been playing a hodgepodge of a bunch of different stuff. Played some more Monster Train. Um, I played more Hitman. I played my first shot at uh, challenges on Tuesday, and I went all the way back. I was starting at the very beginning of the game because I beat Hitman Three uh, a couple weeks ago and loved it. So how do you I went feel? To the tutorial. Quick question: How do you feel about the last uh, mission? Uh. It, it took me a while to realize I was just supposed to kill everybody. Well, I mean, it, you can, it wants me. You can sneak. I can sell through it. You can sell through, like, the first half of it, and then when you get into the 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 cars that are just open, you cannot mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it gets very uh, frustrating. Well, why don't you just disguise yourself as a car? Doesn't he have that outfit? As yes. a car. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so what's funny is that last level of Hitman is very different from the, re- the other ones because it's linear. You start at, well, you start at the back of a train, and you're trying to get to the front of the train. Mm-hmm. And it's more, it almost felt like a Zelda game where you're going, and the more you look around, you'll be like, oh, here's a rusty crowbar, which, unlike every other crowbar in the game, it breaks after one use. It's the only time in the whole game that you find one like that. Um, and some other stuff. You find consumable items, and depending on how well you search, you'll open a chest that has uh, a special item in it, a gun or or a throwable or something. Um, But it was fun. It it made me play in a different way from the rest of the game. And of course, the dialogue in that game is so cheeky. At one point, I disguised myself as a guard, and these two guards are talking to each other, and they're just like, don't you think we should be more careful since we have like a master of disguise on on the train? Like, he could just disguise himself as one of us. And the person's like, ha! Well, he's usually sneaking around. We're all armed to the teeth, so if he even tried anything, you know, uh, you know, he'd probably be terrible at it. And I was like, "Well, now I gotta kill both of you." Yep. <laughs> they figured it all out already. That's how that right. works. Yeah. But uh, I really like that. So I went to the very first level, like the tutorial level in the very first game, and I completed all the challenges for it. Uh, it was pretty fun. I think I did it in like three or maybe four runs. It's oh, a wow. very tiny level. Uh, it's a very tiny level with a small number of challenges. The first, get like the not, Paris. Not Paris. Oh, I was like no. Paris is not small. The ICA facility, the tutorial. Oh, event. gotcha. Uh, so it's a really small level. Um, so that was cool. So I did that, and then I realized that there was an escalation on that level. I've never done an escalation, so I didn't know what to expect. Uh, it tells me to eliminate a different target than the main target it tells me to eliminate this guard over here but i need to be wearing a specific uh outfit and i need to use a specific weapon and i'm like okay so i found a way to do it and i did it all right well it's like all right escalation level two now there are security cameras so i was like okay now i gotta avoid the cameras or destroy the evidence and then kill that guy again so i do level three there's an additional target that i need to be wearing a specific outfit for as well uh and that one was pretty tough uh it took me a while to figure out how to do that or no so i did that one escalation level four 
is that uh, a, all the guards see through your disguise, and there are guards everywhere. Oof. So uh, you're on a boat, and the the stuff that you need to get to is on the top two floors. But only two outfits can get you up there, and the guards can see through both of those outfits. So I, I it became a puzzle for me. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get up there. Like I can't think of any way to do it. Well, I explored the map enough that I found a new area to climb in that I had no idea existed. Uh, so it forced me to see something new. I I did that. I finally completed. It took me like 40 minutes, and I was really proud of myself. It was very hard to do that. And so the escalation level five was do all of that in less than five minutes. So oh, I was man. like, oh, boy. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So we're coming back to that one later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do that. Uh, but it was really exciting. It really challenged me to not only think of the level in different ways, but really explore every nook and cranny of it um, to discover that one ledge that I had to discover. Um, otherwise, I would have been in trouble. Did you so see, that was really fun. Did you see that they've kind of announced a little bit of what's going to be coming here in February? They apparently teamed up with a bunch of content creators um so there's like the min max ex escalation which is like killing people with bananas uh <laughs> because that's what what uh leo vader does over there and then like kind of funny did one and a bunch of stuff of these will be in the game um which is kind of interesting that they're going with uh content creators to create these escalations and then those are now a part of the game right uh, well, they, well, that's they're... not the first game that does that, you know. Um, Pokemon, for Black and White 2, I believe, uh, they implemented, like, a very, like, a mode that was based on the Nuzlocke runs that the community does. Hmm. And basically what the Nuzlocke runs do is you catch the first Pokemon that you see on any route. So you have to catch that first one. You have to nickname all your Pokemon. And if your Pokemon faints, you can't use it anymore. It's considered dead. So you have to box hmm. it forever or, or release it or whatever. And there are different variations that you can have on top of that. But that's mostly the rudimentary, like, basic rundown of it. And so more more games doing that where they take, like, community-created content and making it part of, like, the mainstream experience, mm -hmm. I think is actually a really nice route to go. You know, it adds more content to the game that people will enjoy. And honestly, they don't have to use any brain power on it because it's already, like, thought up. So <laughs> save you on resources. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there were a couple lines of dialogue in three that were in my opinion clear references to giant bomb uh giantbomb.com and giant bomb is the reason that i discovered hitman so i appreciated that i i wonder how many of those are in the game that i have completely overlooked because it's some inside joke uh to somebody who contributed to the game somehow in the community or otherwise um that, yeah that's just fun to see and i'm excited to <laughs> experience like the banana run yeah and uh and uh, experience that for myself. Nice. Uh, so that's real fun. And then we've been streaming Don't Starve Together, but I will have more uh, time to talk about that next week. Very After nice. we hopefully haven't died every time. We <laughs> we sure we sure died this week. It yeah. was rough. Oh. But was it of starvation? Uh, some of it was starvation. Mostly it's freezing. That game is, winter is really hard. Okay. Well, it's not called so Don't Freeze. So you're, yeah. you're good. You're yeah. good. You're playing, you're playing all right. <laughs> Um, Carlos, what have you been getting into? Uh, yeah, I haven't been, uh, gaming all that much this week, unfortunately. I think I took a little <laughs> bit of a, 
Yeah, I took a little bit of a break after um, marathoning Haven, but um, I'm trying to get back on to my Switch, and and, uh, and of course, uh, I didn't put it on the list, but playing a little bit of Pokemon Crystal still, uh, playing Rogue Company, um, trying to get a little bit of mastery and experience in Sigrid, uh, the second to last character released. Um, I, I'm not bored of Saint, by all means, for those that play Rogue. But, uh, How do you like his buff? Like, I haven't, <laughs> haven't actually tried it out yet. How do you like it? Uh, it's still fine, because uh, I still kind of wreck people, so... Oh. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only then. thing is, um, like, I never used the uh, the trip mine before that he had, so now that they've got the throwable C4, that's way better, although the the range that it hits is kind of horrible. But... Oh, yeah, throwing that thing is like throwing, <laughs> I, I don't even know. It's just, it doesn't travel at all. Like, it's, it's like... just, it's like pushing <laughs> it out of your pocket. That's yeah. exactly what it does. So, pushing it out of your pocket. Like, I've for real been like, oh, I got this dude, and then I throw it, and Four. I'm, like, aiming, like, three four, three quarters of the way into the sky, and it just goes, <laughs> like, right in front of me. Like um, one of those cats that, like, tries to make a jump, and it's just like, nope. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, it, it's pathetic. Uh, something I will say about Rogue Company is um, on the PC, where I played most of the time with you guys, uh, I have, like, no money, no points, no, like, anything to purchase anything. But I have n played it once or twice on PlayStation, and they keep giving me free money all the time. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, I guess, what is the disconnect there? Why does the PlayStation Plus, like, automatically get uh, the money to purchase uh, costumes and skins and all that? And on PC, where I've spent, I think it says, like, 15 hours in that game... I have, I have like nothing to show for it. It's like I don't understand the, the progression in that game. I still do not, I don't quite understand. I wonder if it's just because it's like, you know, making console players feel better about getting it on console. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, like Genshin Impact had like it's on mobile and PC and PlayStation, which is a weird assortment. But PlayStation users. In order, because I didn't have crossplay like the other two do, like you can cross save your files between PC and mobile, but PlayStation doesn't get that benefit. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they got their exclusive content to make up for the fact that they couldn't do that. I wonder if Rogue Company is the same way because it does have crossplay, but I'm not sure if it has cross save. I mean, this is it's similar to me to like what they do with like Call of Duty or Warframe or Fortnite. Like once a month, if you go into the PlayStation Store or little store. If you go into the store and check it, uh, there'll be like a little section that's like, hey, get these add-ons to your free free games that you play. Uh, since you have PlayStation Plus, you get a set of skins for mm -hmm. Call of Duty. You get a uh, like some, some currency from Apex Legends or whatever. It's like always there. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm kind of, it's weird, I think, that they don't do that on like Epic Game Store or steam as often do you know what i mean like they just don't like go hey here here's incentive to go play this game um dude uh it just red doesn't dead exist online, on pc it seems like every time that we log into red dead online there is a bunch of free stuff every time hmm. like it's just like here's a bunch of money here are these steep discounts here's all this stuff which is great because we don't play enough to actually make any currency to get anything 
But since every time we log in, we it gives us money, we're able to be like, oh, wee, let's go spend some money on clothes or something. Um, I mean, to be honest, they probably are just trying to keep the console generations alive a little bit longer. That's, I mean, that's that's definitely part of our conversation for the party topic today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I played I played a little Rogue Company on on PlayStation. I, I re-downloaded it, downloaded it like four times, and then <laughs> it's always like one of those things where it's like, oh, I want to hop in and play a game. But if like you guys aren't on, then it's like I'm playing with randoms and nobody has a mic. It's just like, what are we doing here? What's happening? Mm-hmm. How do you it's, not it's have a mic? Just throwing a grenade and it bouncing back at you, and then yeah, yeah. Um, besides uh, besides Rogue Company, um. I'm just spending way too much time on Tetris 99 because mm. I'm getting pretty good at that too. Um, I feel like I'm I'm consistently in the top 25, which is fucking hard. If if you have a Switch and you haven't tried Tetris 99 yet, a free game, I mean, you're missing out. It's it's superb, and I I've, I was never one to play Tetris uh, for extended periods of time, but I think I just passed. Uh, like 30 hours on the switch for that so oh wow yeah it's it's like the one thing i can do to the one game that i can chill out and and i turn my brain off but i'm still like in that puzzle mode so it feels really good um other than that yeah not really a whole lot of gameplay for me this week but uh looking forward to changing that i I think i think i'm gonna go back to final fantasy uh 12 zodiac age so because uh, that just dropped on Game Pass like yesterday. I was gonna ask. I was like, "Is that the one that just <laughs> happened on yeah. Game Pass?" They they keep like dropping Final Fantasies on there, and I'm like, "I don't know which one this is." There's so <laughs> many. It's it's really good, and it's um it's very very much like an earlier Xenoblade uh, to me. So I'm excited. Is nine on there on the Game Pass? Uh, seven and eight are maybe nine is. I think nine is. Eight. I think nine came before eight onto Game Pass. Interesting. I think so. It seems to be that way for like a lot of places, like the re- remasters or whatever on the online Nintendo online thing. Um, seven and eight, nine always come before eight. I wonder why that is. Hmm. I don't even think nine's on there, but hmm, I don't know. I've noticed as a pattern. Yeah, it's funky, but they're they are definitely trying hard to get all the rest on there, uh, except for fifteen. That one's going away. <laughs> yeah. They need to put 14 on Game Pass so I don't have to pay a subscription for it. Because yeah. I've been dying to play it. But subscriptions? Ah, I already have so much auto pay. <laughs> but we can talk about that later. <laughs> subscriptions yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yep. Um, Debbie, do you want to uh, tease me a little more? Or are we going to jump into yours i guess i could go with mine and then we could we could do yours i mean i mean the first one's free sweetie i'm just saying uh, no. <laughs> um so i have been playing a lot of ninjala uh recently we have a bye week in our like the official tournament like uh in the enl is what it's called it's like a community sort of tournament that was kind of like a grassroots movement sort of like how um it's, it's almost like a local but online you know it's, it's not like officially sanctioned but um I've been participating in that for since the inception of the game, or the tournament rather, and it's been a lot of fun, but I'm so happy to have a bye week because now it allows me to um, practice some other things that I've been wanting to hone myself on. Uh, because, you know, playing in a tournament is not just about beating the opponent, it's about becoming a better competitor, you know, always improving, always grinding. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to use this time to 
um, up my game a little bit. I've already seen improvement in my trick ball play, which is the weapon that I've been championing since the like the first beta of the game. Um, doing some more techniques that way. But um, they're, they just did like a Valentine's Day event. People have been submitting big goods and everything. And then they're all based off of the show or the, well, not the show, the game. And uh, just, I want to eat everything. I want to eat all of it. I'm so <laughs> obsessed with all of the culinary things that Ninjala has been having to offer. And it's easy because it's all gum. Everything's gum. Gum right. weapons, gum traps and everything. So there's even a weapon that's shaped like a donut and somebody made donut treats. And so oh, I'm yeah. like, I gotta stop playing this game so I can like eat the food from the game, please. <laughs> but uh, no, that's all for Ninjala. I've been playing a lot of that. Um, and I'll talk more about that later because um, we have some some party topics that I think might might come back to that. But what I really want to get into is Valheim. Valheim. Um, I kind of discovered this game by accident because one of the people that I've been recently following on Twitch was playing it. And I was like, well, I like the person because I was going to go watch the stream anyway, but I was like, what is this? This isn't Rocket League. This isn't Call of Duty. Like, this isn't the stuff that you usually play. And it's just like this game. It's like a love child between Skyrim and Minecraft with like a little bit of Dark Souls thrown in there. Hmm. Um, it's super, it's very pretty. It's very pretty. Right now, um, I don't know if this is like an artistic choice, but it's like 3D models mixed with pixelated kind of environments. It's almost reminiscent of like really old RuneScape. Um, okay. I want to say, but uh, it's the way that it tackles the Norse lore. It's a lot more inclusive of the different facets of it than a lot of the other media that tends to do so is. Like in other media, you're just like, oh, here's Thor, here's Odin, and that's it, right? Well, there's like people in this game that I've never even heard of before. Like <laughs> in God of War, you know, you have to find the the ravens of Odin, right, as the collectible. Mm -hmm. One of them is your guide um, throughout this whole game. And she has a name. Her name is Hugin. I was like, I never knew that. Um, I didn't know that the Ravens had names. I just thought they were messengers, like nameless, thankless messengers. Right. But um, I streamed it last night, and it went about as well as one would expect a survival game to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was hewing out the land for my first kind of residential area. I decided to set my home up by the beach because, like, I'm right underneath Yggdrasil, the world tree. So when I look up, it's like this giant branching, glowing tree arm, just glowing and effervescing. And it's so beautiful. And then beyond that, there's the horizon, which is like all sorts of rainbow colors with like cotton clouds and just so stunning. And then the water, of course, which is water, whatever. It's the ocean. <laughs> so I was like, let me put my house here. So I was chopping down some trees and, um, <laughs> This game's physics are very um, unexpectedly realistic. You know, when you chop down a tree, you expect it to just like, and then disappear, right? <laughs> right, as, uh, as it does. So yeah. when you chop down a tree, it splits into smaller trees, which then fall more. And so I was chopping down a tree and it knocked itself into another tree, which then split down into two trees. And one of those splits crushed me to death. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first experience of Valheim. <laughs> of course, I got better and I didn't die um, again since. It's really neat because it marks where you died. And kind of like a World of Warcraft where when you die, you like go pick up your soul and you get all your items or whatever back. Um, it's the same way. You know, you go to your grave marker, you get all your items, and then normally you would lose some of your abilities. So like you level up your different um, skill sets like in 
Skyrim. You know, you level up your sneak, your un your unarmed combat, your clouds, your axes, all that whatnot. Um, and if you die, you lose some of that leveling up. So if you die, once you reclaim your grave marker, you're immune to losing your stats again for a certain amount of time. I think it's like an hour. I'm not sure. So that's really handy in case you're not like if, if you're inept at survival games and you find yourself dying a lot, it's not completely detrimental. It's like diminishing returns on your stat loss. Uh, you just have to be careful about your your items, which you can store in chests, which you have to craft. And that's where the minecraft comes in. You have a workbench and you can build all these things as long as you have a hammer. But what's different from it and Minecraft is that in Minecraft, you have to, at least as far as I know, I don't know if they've changed it. Um, you have to stand directly in front of, or, you know, adjacent to the workbench in order to use it, right? Well, in Valheim, it's like a radius. It's a huge radius. And so as long as you're within that radius of the workbench, you can just construct whatever you want, wherever you want, That's which fine. is really handy. It makes crafting, especially building houses, a breeze because you have to build walls like piece by piece and having to like craft wall, moving, placing, craft wall, moving, placing would just be so tedious. And that's why I got turned off of Minecraft in the first place, because it was so tedious to make anything outside of creative mode. I was just yeah, like, you've got to like build your own scaffolding to build the walls up as high as you want. Yeah. And then you got to tear them down. And it's, a lot. it's so much. It's meticulous and I hate it. But Valheim's crafting system is really, really um, intuitive. It's accessible. And I had a lot of fun building my house. I had a lot of fun renovating my house, which is different for me because once i make something i'm like done <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to make it higher wider you know bigger better faster stronger whatever i'm done i don't want to put any more time into it. i'm moving on but in valheim i was just like let me add some windows let me add another floor oh here's this ascending sprawling staircase like it's so much fun i haven't come across my first dungeon yet because i spent so much time um building my house and building my stats but the next time i play i think i'm gonna look for some dungeons I'm avoiding the first boss for now because I hear they're really, really tough. And I don't even have steel items yet. I don't have armor. Um, I don't have swords. I just have, like, flint axes and, and knives and stuff. So we'll is, see. We'll see how it goes. Is Valheim, I've only watched probably 30 minutes total of mm -hmm. the game. And I mostly had it on while I was doing other things. Uh, I've seen a little bit of the crafting. I've seen a little bit of running around and, like, chucking spears and stuff. Um, it would Would you describe it as more of a, like... A, a exploration and combat game is it more of a discover like a discover how the world works kind of game like don't starve where it teaches you nothing and the point is that you're just supposed to figure it out um you mentioned it has a boss the game is procedurally generated right yes so just like in minecraft there's a seed for your server and then um the world is generated and it's procedurally generated as you continue to explore so everyone's server is going to have different i mean like i'm sure they'll have like similar characteristics like the bosses and all that whatnot but the map itself is procedurally generated so it's always going to be a different world um so in that sense yes it is kind of like explore and find out how everything works but there's also a very there's a path to the end there's an end game you know um the the premise of the game is that you are a valkyrie of odin uh reborn in valheim because uh you're kind of like an undercover valkyrie because they're like gearing up for this world war and in order to reascend to valhalla you have to defeat all of these bosses and there's like six or seven of them mm -hmm. and the first one is called ichthyr which is like an electric deer which reminds me of xerneas from pokemon i don't know if the two are correlated at all like on origin um but in that sense it feels more like dark souls mm -hmm. especially the combat because there's a parry system there's blocking and dodging and they all use stamina 
All of your attackings do um, use stamina. Even pulling a bow back uses your stamina. And as long as you're holding the bow, you'll still lose stamina. Mm -hmm. um, weather and status can affect your stamina as well. So if you're hungry, you don't have as much stamina. Um, okay. If you're cold, it takes a little bit longer to regenerate your stamina. Like your regeneration is slowed. Um, freezing cold can kill you. So look after that. As it does. As, as it does. <laughs> but there's a lot of different elements into this game um, that make it less survival. And I think that's why I'm more into it. Because yeah, it has like a hunger factor, but the hunger doesn't seem to be detrimental. So it's more like survival uh, in Skyrim, where it's just like, hey, go take a nap every once in a while. Like, go warm up, yeah. uh, eat some food every once in a while. If you know, if you don't for a little bit, you're gonna be fine. But after a while, you're gonna have to pay attention to it. And you can be over encumbered. <laughs> okay. Oof. Uh, yeah. well, I like this. Um, I. I've really grown to enjoy survival as a genre over the past few years. Um, but like a game like Don't Starve is brutally difficult. It is always trying to kill you. Um, and, and there's definitely something I appreciate to a game where it's just like, hey, like, just take care of yourself. But you're trying to level up and get strong here. Like you're really trying to beef up um, and, and improve. So I'm really interested in that. Is it? Is it a multiplayer-only world, or can uh, no. you play by yourself? Uh, you can play by yourself. That's what I've been doing. Um, when I streamed it last night, I was just... Because I want to play with friends. That's the reason I got the game. It's in early access right now on Steam, by the way, for $20. Um, but I got it so I could play with my friends, and I was worried that I wouldn't be able to migrate servers. So that was the first thing that I looked up. And yes, you can migrate your character between servers, kind of like Minecraft, but you can also have your own. So what I decided to do was start my own server, which I called the Sovereignty. And um, <laughs> and level up my character so that way when I do go and join friends, I won't be like a burden to them still trying to figure out the game. And like, what does this do? How does this work? Um, I'm not exactly sure how multiplayer it is. Like, what was the game that you were talking about where only the host... Was it, uh, uh, State was it a of zombie decay. game? State of Decay, that's right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's anything like that where only the host can affect the stuff or if anyone, like if anyone can affect everything. Uh, I sure hope it's everyone, because that became uh, a burden in State of Decay. Oh, wow. It's, it's actually 1 to 10 players, though. That's crazy. Well, it's wow. 1 to 10 players at once, but you can have up to 200 people on your server. Really? You can okay, only... so yeah. uh, our community spotlight, who we'll talk about later in the show, uh, when I had mentioned uh, Valheim to him, because he was playing it the other day, he's one of the people I watch, he had mentioned uh, the idea of making a party invite server. And I didn't inquire what exactly that meant, but it makes more sense now that you say that I thought 10 was it. Yeah. But to understand that uh, the total is much higher, that's that's like a proper server and not just like a session. Right. I think cool. that's really cool that um, the multiplayer is like that because then it doesn't over and like it doesn't inundate the, pe the server with a bunch of people on at once. You know, you can have just the t up to the 10. But I, I think it would require some planning if we were to do that, because if everyone wants to play at the same time, you know, we'd have to, like, do some rotations. Or we could just have more than one. Because mm -hmm. you can migrate your character have. between servers, yeah. Oh, you can move it between servers? <laughs> yeah, you can migrate your character between servers. Oh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. This all sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to buy this tonight. <laughs> I hope you do. Let me know. Let me know. You can come visit the Sovereignty, because oh, I, I do have a password for it, um, because there is PvP enable and disable so what i think can happen is that if you have like a public server people can come to that server 
and you know destroy your stuff. Mm-hmm. So no let's let's not let's not have that happen. <laughs> um, cool. cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch some people stream that and see see how I feel about it. Um, so I I dug into some some more PSVR um, this past week um, for the Super Bowl. My dad and uncle came over a little early, and uh, my uncle bought an Oculus, an Oculus Two. <clears throat> we played like Beat Saber and stuff on there, and that's fun. Uh, but uh, I have everybody's golf VR on PlayStation. And me and my dad played that, uh, and uh, video game golf is fun. I don't know why, because I don't like I, I don't like golf. Definitely um, better than real golf. Yeah. 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 Thomas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told, my golf I'll was good because Angry Birds. Either, <laughs> like, it's really not. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, this is like all tying together and bringing everything back. <laughs> You'll see in a second. Um, yeah. So that that game is fun. Uh, I kind of wish there was more to it. Like, um, give me like a career or like tournaments to play or something rather than just, you can play nine holes. You can play another nine holes. You could play three holes, like whatever. It's not, it's not like a, there's not like, it's almost like just like a little experience fun thing rather than an actual, like, there's no career or anything like that, which I'm pretty sure at everybody's golf the regular version there is um which i, I think really there's not a VR VR. That, that long though oh yeah absolutely like um i was thinking like why won't it let me play the full 18 holes like it makes you play nine and then that's like the first half of the course and then the second half of the course is like its own separate thing like you don't get to play the full thing unless i just haven't unlocked that yet which is possible but it just seems like a lot to get through in order to not unlock a full 18 holes or like there's only three courses in the VR. And I feel like there's more than that in the actual game um, of everybody's golf. I don't know. I'll have to talk to Russ and Aaron about that. Cause they play that a lot or did. Um, but that Don't you was... know about golf halftime though? Like with the cheerleaders and everything like, right. That's, that's the thing. That's, the, that's what's happening now. The weekend sure. is there pretending he's the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I didn't like uh, I didn't like that show either. Chiefs lost. Uh, what else? Oh, <laughs> so speaking of survival games, I also decided to download No Man's Sky and check that out in VR. And that game was made for VR. It is like, it is that yeah. game is made for VR. It's not made yeah. for. Um, Dude, did you did you fly around in your ship? Yeah, it made me sick. Um, so, oh no! <laughs> uh, it made me queasy yeah. for sure. It's just a little too touchy. Like, yeah. So, um, there's there's popping and stuff uh, from the VR. I, I have a, just a base PS4, um, so there is some pop in when you get. You're kind of just jumping around, like you're using the uh, teleporter teleporter kind of thing. You can also kind of fly around with your your jetpack. Um, but yeah, you're teleporting, and so like stuff will pop in. But it's not as bad as what happens in Hitman, because Hitman's all crowds, right? So the pop in on that is very bad because, like, it can't show you that many people at once. So um, like you were saying with Hitman, every time you like moved your head, every time you turn, every time you turned, 
Yeah, because it was also on the PlayStation 4 controller. And every time you would do this just to look the opposite to the other direction, it would half of their bodies would pop in. Um, is it the same way for the ship? Is it just like, I wonder where this planet is. Let me just look outside. Um, <laughs> oh, there it is. Like... <laughs> so when you're on a planet, it's not too bad. Uh, but and you, it's it's doing the pop in because you're just doing the the jumps right like you're you're teleporting mm -hmm. to a spot and then some stuff will pop in, but it's never it doesn't affect you that much right until you start flying, um, and once you, like I honestly think the beginning of that game the onboarding to that game is a slog and is kind of tough but in VR it feels like this whole other experience that is like amazing. I was like, I just want to fly. Yeah. I just want to get in my ship and take off and feel that. Um, and that is just a little too finicky. Like it is you using the two move controllers and one, one controller is your throttle and the other is like the joystick. But this is like so loosey goosey that it is like you barely move it and you're like, and so like it can make you very motion sick very quickly. Um, hmm. I kind of got can to. Can you adjust that at all? Do you think? I think I probably can. I I might be able to go into the settings and kind of bump it down. Um, but yeah, you should definitely do that because the when I jumped into the flying, it's no uh, Horizon or whatever whatever that amazing space game is. What am I thinking of? Elite Dangerous. Right. Uh, it's no Elite Dangerous. But when I hopped in that ship. Dude, that was amazing. Yeah, when I was like, it first time I was in the ship, I was like, "This is fucking around. rad." Um, it was super cool. I don't know that I'm going to stick with it because I know what No Man's Sky is, right? Like, I know the the slog and hours I have to put into it to get anything from it. Um, and in VR, that just seems like a really tough ask, even though that initial like hour of being on the first planet, gathering up all the supplies you need, creating everything that you need to to get your ship off the ground and go to the next planet was awesome until I started yeah. flying. And, like, that's where pop-in becomes, like... And even pop-in in the main game was an issue from what I remember. But mm -hmm. pop-in on VR, like, I was getting out of the atmosphere and all of a sudden I was in an asteroid field with no way out of it because it popped in. Uh and I was just like, what the yeah, fuck is happening? Yeah, but that's kind of just how the travel works in that game. Yes. You're just like, oh, look, some asteroids. Oh, I'm in the asteroid field now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of like, well, this in VR, it sucks. Because there's, like, no way to really, like I said, it's it's a little finicky. Uh, I'm sure it could be bumped down. But I, I'd rather it just be, it feel good default. You know? I don't want to have to go into the I settings and, too much and mess with stuff. I think you're weird for wanting that. Um <laughs> At least their VR launch went a lot more smoothly than their console launch. Yes, it did do that. I mean, they did have a couple of years to do that. Um, but the real thing that I want to talk about in VR, if we go to Chris's mascot platformer corner, um, is Astrobot Rescue Mission is a goddamn delight. <laughs> it is just smile on your face every five minutes easily um it just it, i also played a little bit of trover uh save the universe and I, I did that like a little while ago and that has a similar thing where it's like you're controlling the person running around right and uh there's some platforming stuff and all that 
Um, and it's very Justin Roiland, because uh, that's that's who made that game. And I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. Like, I basically played the first um, first world or two, and then I was just like, I'm over this. There's nothing that's keeping me going. Whereas yeah, in, that's what I thought, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, it, I was like, okay, this is fine, and it's good for like a, <laughs> he did the Rick and Morty thing. <laughs> uh, and then, <laughs> but with Astrobot, it is like, constantly changing things up and surprising me in like ways that I haven't experienced in VR. Like most VR things are like, here's your little experience. Have fun. Right. And it's not a, it doesn't, it never seems fully fleshed out. At least from what I have played on PlayStation VR, everything is like, here's a little thing to have fun with for a while play it for 20 minutes you're probably good right <laughs> like even even though i had a lot of fun with super hot like that's not something that i was like oh wow this is incredible i was just like oh this is fun uh but but with astrobot it is from like i guess the whole thing is like you're a robot that is helping the little playstation robots get their spaceship back together. Um, and each, a piece of the spaceship is on all these different worlds. And it's very Mario-like, I guess you could say, um, or, or some other form of 3D platformer. But what it does is it plays with VR in a way that is like not anything else that I've played. Um, like there's a lot of stuff where in VR where you need to be like, looking behind you to see things like you're 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 trying to get all these like little you're trying to find all the little hidden robots like you would find like hidden stars or gems or whatever in in some other um game or one of these like platformers but these little robots are hidden but you can hear them uh and it's like you know 3d audio so you're hearing the um they're always like yelling help me and you'll be like in a space and not know where it is. Uh, and then you'll realize if you like lean forward and like look down or, or, or look around something, there it is. Um, which is, you would think that like all VR does that, all VR games do that. They don't. <laughs> they don't play with it in a way where they're making you move around to see what is ha like, make it a part of the gameplay. Um, <clears throat> They just rarely do that, which seems like a, a missed opportunity on, on uh, VR. Chris, I, I got to ask, have you played Super Hot on VR? I Yeah, I just said that I played Super Hot. Wait, you're playing? I oh, just said, I yeah, I like we were just talking about it that. Was, it was very brief mention. It was very yeah. brief. He I said, like, no, oh. like Super Hot, which does do this. I didn't oh. like that, whatever. And then he like very quickly. Yeah, I was like, I was like, it's, my, my it's fun. Um. But super hot was like, oh, this is like a challenging like skill thing, right? And it, but it doesn't like, because I just I apply that to that where it's like a bullet, like a bullet's flying at you, and you're just like, whoop, just gonna sidestep here, yeah. and I'm back. Yeah, uh, where's like a lot of leaning for there's me. There's a lot of leaning, yeah. There's a lot of leaning and ducking and like all that in super hot, but in in Astrobot, 
there's that and there's other layers. So there's, you have to duck out of the way of like, okay, say in, in like Super Mario, you have those like, um, what do you call them? The, the bullet guys that, that shoot bullet at you. Bills. Oh, thank yeah, you. Bullet bills. Bullet bills. So in this game, if like a bullet bill is coming at you, but not the little character that you're controlling, it'll hit your, it'll hit you and your screen will crack. Um, it'll quickly like fix itself, but just like little touches like that to make it feel more like you're in it and you're just like observing, even though you're in control of this little robot running around, getting all the coins, doing all these things, like the way they make you feel like you're actually there is, um, it's wild. Like they'll have like certain characters will shoot stuff at you where it'll get stuck onto your face. And if you shake your head, it'll wipe it away. <laughs> cool. um, and there's like, there's one that blew my mind. Cause I was like, how are they doing that? Uh, and then I realized there's a microphone in, um, in your VR headset and mm -hmm. it'll pop up a dandelion that has all the little, um, you know, like the, the cotton ball situation where you, you blow it and it all the, all the no, seeds and stuff fly away. I've never seen a dandelion. Never, never seen it before in your life. <laughs> so that pops up and it tells you blow. And I was like, well, what? I went and it flew and I was like, whoa, what? How did they do that? Magic. Uh, and then I realized, <laughs> then I realized it was the microphone just picking up the air moving past the, head the uh, headset. Uh, but like just a little stuff like that, like little things. Like there's you, there's certain things where you will, um, there'll be like a, a chest in front of you, and you go up and you punch the chest, and then the chest will like open up and come towards you, and it'll be like place the PlayStation controller in the chest. It'll like have like a little cutout for it. You drop it in, and then it like basically equips your PlayStation controller with something. Um, like sometimes it's like a little grappling hook that has like a tether on it, and then you have like a rope that he can then jump on and then you could flick up and he will bounce higher. Oh, that's cool. Um, and like you can rip down walls that way. Um, there's one where it changes into like a water hose basically. And you're like squirting the water onto the fires and things like that to put them out like that stuff. And then there's one I just played today. I basically, what I do is I sit down and I play a world all the way through. And that usually takes like, 45 minutes maybe. And then I put it down for the day because spending too much time in VR can be weirdly disorienting. <laughs> like when you get out of it, you're just like, Oh, whoa. what is it, life? It's, it's because you're back to like real reality and it sucks. Right. Uh, yeah. You're like, ah, there's no little robots running around always, the room. It's always jarring. It's, it's not like crazy weird to take the headset off and be like, Oh, right. There are walls around me. But the thing that really does weird me out is like, oh, there's a ceiling right above me, like yeah. right above me. Because I was just looking in the uh, sky or whatever. Right. And then to like take it off, it's almost this sensation of like, wow, I feel claustrophobic right now, yeah. where I would never feel like that if I wasn't in VR. Yeah. There was one I played today where it gave me ninja stars. And I was just shooting out ninja stars and everything. Um, it just like, it, it, like any good platformer, it is the same mechanics, but then they introduce something new and in something new and something new each time. And it's every level. I feel like this is different from the last one. And it gives me something new and something there's inevitably something in every map or level that makes me 
smile and laugh or go, whoa, that was crazy. Like, they just, like, even, even just, like, a little thing, like, at the end of the level, um, depending on how many of the little robots you get, they'll all, they, like, hold in your controller. And then at the end, once you reach the finish line, you, like, hit this button, and your controller opens up, and you can see it, and they all jump out. And they jump onto the plat- they jump onto the platform with you, and then you see that you have like this rubber band on your uh, on your uh, touchpad, and then like depending on how many of those guys are there, they will jump out and become like golden rings that like kind of move back and forth and all line up at once, and then you have oh. your little robot guy and you try to shoot him through all those to get like extra coins at the end of the level, and just cool. that little thing. Each time is like when you get to do it, you're like, "Oh yeah, fuck it, get those!" <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. And it is like it's just all these little things that are just like little clever ways of doing. Like, how many times I've like, I've been like, I feel like I hear a robot somewhere. I don't know where it is, and I just look de- like have to like kind of get up and look down over something, and then there's like a whole other piece of the level beneath me that I couldn't see from just my, my seated position is like every time they do that, I'm just like, this is amazing. And I can't believe that this game is $20. Uh, yeah. Only that? Yeah. It's only 20 bucks. If you have PlayStation VR, you have to buy it. Not negotiable. Wow. Um, Cause it's the best. It's so, literally the best thing that is. So in I VR think on that on Sunday, on Valentine's Day, I think you'll be playing that game and Carlos will be playing Haven, right? If I got this right? Yeah, something like that. But I'm, I'm probably going to... I'm. This is definitely one of those uh, VR things. I'll be like, Devin, you have to see this. Because it's a little it's a little adorable little robot guy. Um, Does someone keep track of Chris? Because he's going to get, like, incepted by VR. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing is, like, I... Like when I got Astrobot and I was playing it, I was like, "This is so good." I was like, "I want more stuff like this." <laughs> oh wait, there's not more stuff. Like there's stuff that's sort of there, but not yeah. this good. Like there was a whole map where you're inside of a whale, and the wa- and the water like will come up over you, and the music will change and deafen. And then when the water like recedes back down, it'll come. All the music will come back and like. Oh, yes, the, the platformer classic. Yes, when the water, yes. But when the water is like waving like that, it feels crazier because you are also underneath the water. Like, I, I it's hard to explain without being in it. Um, but, man, it's, it's fucking cool. And I totally understand why everybody was so hyped about it, I guess, a year ago or two years ago now when that game came out. But, holy shit. Amazing. Get it. I guess this game is... To you, what Apex is to Thomas, huh? Yep, sounds like it. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I really am like, this is what it sounds like when I talk about Apex. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's, yeah. You're you're smitten. I it's adorable. I'm smitten with this game, but it's also like really hard to talk about uh, because it's in VR and it's hard to explain like why why things are cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we'll just have to blue skidoo in there ourselves sometime. Yeah, it's 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 interesting experiencing something where you don't really have the language to describe it because you haven't spent enough time with it to to teach it. Like the, there's the phrase that you only um, only when you can explain something easily 
do you fully understand it, right? right. Like you, you can only be a teacher if you really grasp it. But like to, to experience things in VR, there's so much newness to it that it's hard to even articulate how, how exactly it's affecting you. It just feels so new and fresh yeah. and like a complete change of perspective. Chris, I love how much you like that game. That makes me happy. It's so good. Like there was a moment uh, yesterday or the day before where I was playing an underwater level and I come up out of the water and you get like seaweed stuck to you and then it's just in front of your face and oh, <laughs> you're yeah. like shaking it and it's just like this is it's a nothing like it does nothing to the game. It's just I have seaweed on my head and there's like a little camera that's showing the little robot that I am and I'm like Ooh. and yep. I have like fucking seaweed in my face. That's good. Imagine. It is. It's joy. That's what that game is. Our party topic today: collecting games in 2021. What's that all about? Um, uh, we're just going to touch on a, a couple of questions that uh, Carlos threw in here. Um, what does a physical collection mean when there are literally thousands of digital deals across dozens of outlets? Yeah, I, I because we can't go to stores to buy anything. Um, <laughs> right. True. Yeah. I mean, and this kind of ties we, into we, the next one as well. So. Well, so we've got the the one collector I know who isn't in this podcast right now is uh, Gary Cooper, Scary Gary here around Kansas City, and he posts stuff all the time. He loves collecting everything. He loves retro stuff. He loves Nintendo stuff. He loves horror stuff. Um, so I reached out to him earlier today and he was explaining that uh, it's difficult trying to like being a collector right now because normally part of the fun of it is shopping the deals is like figuring out where you might find something going in. I mean, we had uh, a guy, Jesse, who helped with a bunch of our cross up fighting game tournament uh, raffles. He would he would go to Cargo Largo and he would find these amazing deals I mean, I'm talking crazy dudes. He he was the only guy I knew who would ever find uh, Nintendo games and Nintendo Switches on sale. I'd never seen them. I, he found Red Dead Redemption 2 on sale there before I saw it on sale anywhere in the whole world, online or anything. So, so much of collecting, from my perspective, is, is shopping, is going into the place, looking around, and you keep coming back because you never know when uh, there'll be like a clearance discount or there'll be something like that. Um, but we can't do that right now. Uh, so. Yeah. And this kind of ties into, to the next question too, which is, is a digital collection, a collection. Um, and what you were just saying about always coming back to shop for the things like I, I have that problem with um, sales on PlayStation mm -hmm. network on steam um, I have, what, what did we, I looked this up before the, before we started this and then I totally forgot what it was, but I have it pulled up here. Like, I, I'll say I was not kidding when I put the, the Nintendo eShop as what I was playing like a few weeks back. It's, it's a real deal. <laughs> it's and, literally just the whole eShop. <laughs> yeah. And when there's, when there's a really good bunch of sales, like the, the new year stuff, holy shit, like. It on actually trying to do it on the switch will actually take you two hours just to yep. scroll all the way down as it loads oh horribly. My God. 
the worst <laughs> online store yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Really <laughs> I mean, I've got a V2 and it still loads like the first generation switches when you're in the eShop at the very bottom of the list. Yeah. Uh, when I had Joy-Con drift, uh, if I was navigating the shop and then I was scrolled way, way, way down and then it would go back to the left to a different menu item. When I came back to what I was looking at, it started me all the way at the top. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not shopping. <laughs> it was terrible. It's, it's, save money. it's a built-in feature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a feature, not a bug. Uh, yeah, on PlayStation Network alone, I have 300 in, in 40 games. Like, just in there. And part of that is like a PlayStation Plus subscription. But I still consider that I I don't ever not pay for PlayStation Plus, so I consider that part of my collection, right? And then all the games I'm getting on for free on Epic Game Store, like mm -hmm. those are just filed away for whenever I want to play them. Those are those to me are also part of a collection. It just gets a little too something I've always been like wary of, especially when collecting video games because I I I want to have them all for no reason at all like i just i want to have access to everything um is i didn't want to start buying a bunch of physical and then have nowhere to put them and then what i hear with the guys from giant bomb all the time they're just like yeah i got boxes full of them just in a in a corner in or in a closet yeah. you know it's like that sounds awful like what's the use of that <laughs> right like um, having them digital, at least for me, um, helps me out because it's it's not taking up space. It's just it's well, just on I my. It's not taking up space. It's just memory space, not like. But it's not taking up memory space because you just delete it whenever and or download it whenever you know. So for me, as someone who does not collect really anything, um, to me, like it's not a collection unless you can see it on a shelf, like. Uh, you guys all have things hanging on your walls. Like, you've got cool stuff in the background of your videos. The only... <laughs> I, I own so very few physical things to look at, just as a point of personal preference. Um, but to me, like, the point of getting the thing is so that you can look at it, or your camera's aimed at it, or a friend comes over, and they're like, wow, look at all, look at this whole collection. With Isn't that neat? <laughs> yeah. yeah. With digital collection, you have the games, and if you know, if if that's your collection, then that's your collection, and who am I to tell you that it's not? But if somebody has to sit down on your couch and boot up your PlayStation to go and look at it, um, I feel like there are two types. How, but how is that different from just collection? looking at something on there's a shelf? Like, that's There's no because, difference in that. Because, like, Chris, I wouldn't necessarily call you a collector, but if I looked at, uh, you know, Debbie's screen right now, I would say that she has a collection. So it's being able to look at physical objects. But like I said, we don't even the PlayStation is a physical yeah, object. You don't see my Amiibo wall. Like my Amiibo wall is like ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, the, the Amiibo wall is crazy. The, yeah. the PlayStation itself, though, is a physical object. And it just so happens to store 340 games on it. <laughs> this is a physical object, which happens to store 2,000-some games on it. Right, that so, is a collector's item. So, like, so your collection is two things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, hey, I have all of these games. They're just it's, it's like in digital form. You're, you're like, uh, I'm somewhat of a collector myself, and someone walks into your room, <laughs> yeah. white walls, nothing but like a chair, a Link. PlayStation, and your uh, 
fight stick, your retro fight stick. I mean, I, I sort of have a little collection of GameCube games over here, but there's no, like, digital way to have that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, right. You know, they have, um, <laughs> not for, like, PlayStation, but, you know, you can get one of those portraits, like one of those picture frames, digital, that you can be like, hey, I want you to pull from my family photos that I have on this album that's on the cloud or something. Um, it'd be cool if you could do the same thing. I mean, really, you could make it work, but if you could have something connect to your PlayStation that just pulled from your library and it just displayed artwork, uh, right? So if you're like, these are my 10 favorite PlayStation games, I want to put this picture frame on the shelf or, or whatever. Maybe you, you had some fancy, this like some cyberpunk shit. You're, you're... If you had a fake uh, game case that you put like on your shelf and then the side would change based just, on oh, that would be cool um, uh, you're talking know. about the old iTunes screensaver that would just show all the album covers of the albums that you have on yes. your computer yeah. uh, you're talking about that but with video games um, which you I know guess... what Thomas we've got a kickstarter idea right now yeah. uh, let's go yeah you could just have like a like yeah, just a digital picture frame basically, and it's just cycling through, through all. All right, we're gonna need to ed edit this out of the podcast it, so that we can. Uh, we need to make yeah, a we yeah, make money. money. We can't have anybody yeah. stealing our idea. Uh, but something that kind of goes along with the the physical aspect too, and that we were just talking about, and I was talking about with like GameCube games, is that Nintendo tax, um, which as we all know, first party Nintendo games do not lose value. I think. Um, and 64 games are still like $50 um, for, you know, like the, uh, like Mario and all those kind of ones. Uh, I know for a fact. I, I think Donkey Kong is going for like $70 now. That's DK64? Yeah. That game isn't even good. Like if, you go, if you go, how dare you? <laughs> I cannot believe. Starting some shit in here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like. I mean, if you go to like a vintage stock, like right now, it's like seventy dollars. Right, like when I was on on the hunt for Mario Super Strikers, or wait, no, Mario Strikers, not Super Strikers. Super Strikers was uh, Mario Strikers. That game, if you bought it off the internet, like sealed or whatever, or just like a, it's like seventy five dollars. And I'm like, I'm not buying that game for seventy five dollars. It's twenty years old or however old it is now, and it's you know. It's not, it's not a fifty dollar game. I know what a fifty dollar game is now, right? Uh, so I did was I was able to find find some secondhand sellers that were able to sell it to me for thirty five dollars, but still, like I the the way that Nintendo games just don't lose value, it's it's mind bottling. When when you make a product of value and quality, you know <laughs> it will never depreciate. But I mean, if you chuck a GameCube off of like a ten-story building and then smash it with a sledgehammer, it's not going to be face at all. I I'd mean, say that's worth the money. You know, <laughs> it's like going into like an ancient Egyptian tomb and finding like a perfectly preserved like Isis cat statue of gold and tur uh, is it tourmaline or turquoise that they use? I don't know, but you know, and you that's going to be super valuable because it lasted all this time. It's I feel like product maybe, of quality and value. <laughs> maybe a collection is just strange people paying strange prices for strange things. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine, <laughs> right, was, I guess. he was like in his childhood home and he posted a picture on Instagram of his, like a card book full of those like X-Men 
cards. Do you remember those? Like the trading cards? Oh, wow. And yeah. I was like, oh, those are probably worth money. He's like, I'm willing to part with them. I'm like, I don't want them. I'm just saying. You could probably sell those in, <laughs> on the money. internet for a substantial amount of money, I would think. Because that was like, those were like in really good condition in like a, a card binder. Uh, and they're all from like the 90s. So like some nostalgia head somewhere is like, I'll give you $500 for it. Yep. Um, so that's always I think, the most, I think the most egregious part of like Nintendo tax is the fact that if it starts out on another platform, if a game is on another platform and then comes to Nintendo, it's somehow for some reason more expensive. I think that is the real injustice regarding Nintendo tax. It's yeah. like why? With like JRPGs like Dragon Quest mm-hmm. 11. Uh, that's a big one. I mean, Witcher 3, obviously, that, <laughs> that whole thing. Um, like, are we just paying for, like, the portability at this point? Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah, it's weird. I don't understand, like, The Witcher 3 has been sold for, like, $5, $10. You know, it's been all over the map price-wise. But that game holds a, a lot of value, right? Um, but it's not $50 still. You know, like it's just a weird like, dude. Uh, I don't, I don't t- quite understand. Titanfall goes on sale for like two dollars all the time. Right. I feel like they're gonna port Titanfall to the Nintendo Switch and sell it for fifty bucks. So a part of you that, a part of that is it's yeah. the internet connectivity is like such a big aspect of that game um, that you will see it that cheap. Like um, games that if, are like if no one's playing. It doesn't have worth. Right. Yeah. Um, like if it's going to take you an hour to find a match, you know, the value Rest of that is much lower. Right. Well, you can look at how, uh, I mean, a lot of collectors collect retro items. And when we get to the point where you're playing a retro online game where the online service is discontinued, well, then, then what do you have? I mean, you can't do a anything. Very, a very expensive uh, bookmark. Right. Or paperweight. Right. I've always or wanted a very small amount of storage on Chris's uh, PS4. Right. I've always, <laughs> since I was like a kid, I've always wanted to have like an arcade in my house, right? So that's like part of the reason to get something like this and not buy a thousand different cabinets. I have a bunch right. of them in here. Or like with the PlayStation 4, like I hook up a external hard drive to that and i can download all 300 of those games and eventually just like take that playstation 4 and like put it in its like own like cabinet or something right and then i have then that's its own thing um i feel like collecting right like most like purists will be like it's got to be the the physical copies but as we like start getting away from that I just feel that's not. I feel like it can mean different things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a physical collector just because I like the tactile pleasure of it all, like ejecting the cartridge, pushing it in, the or taking out the, the disc or whatever. Right? Open it, exactly. Opening up the case and being like, <clears throat> "Give me that plastic!" Like, mm. <laughs> it's like mm, opening a pack of cards. Exactly. <laughs> Toxicity. <laughs> but like, it's like opening a new book or opening a pack of cards, and you just you get that fresh new product smell and. That's what it is about physical collections for me. Because, like, yeah, it'll look good on the shelf and everything. So you can see it and stuff, but really it's about feeling it for me. Yeah. Uh, so Lizzie is a big reader, and what she'll do 
Um, I know she does this with movies. Uh, she will take a movie that she owns physically and she'll rebuy it digitally so that she can clear out, you know, clear off her shelf. And uh, I can't remember if she does that with books. She could probably tell me. Uh, yes, she's giving me a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's the same thing. She likes to have a physical book in her hands because it is the smell of it. Uh, I mean, I've heard her talk about getting a brand new library book where she could tell that she was one of the very first people to open it up. Uh, and then, you know, there's something special to that new book smell. Right. Um, the, the same transfers over to when we buy Switch and PlayStation games. I want all digital because I don't care about having something on my shelf. I, yeah, I can't give you my disc that has the game on it when I'm done. Um, but I don't, I, it doesn't come up as much as I thought it would. But uh, yeah. Lizzie has a bunch of, um, you know, she has Pokemon on her cartridge for Switch. Uh, even uh, the Wii Fit or the um, Switch. Wii Fit Adventure? Link Fit Adventure uh, is is on a physical cartridge and stuff. So, um, so we're definitely different. I'm all digital. She's all physical. Um, well, the thing is now too is that with everything happening as far as the pandemic is concerned, like special physical runs of stuff is like getting scarcer and scarcer. Right. Like especially if you go through like um, limited run games and all that whatnot, they already take long enough to get your product to you, and they're notorious for that. And that's a road I don't want to go down because. We'll be here forever. But right. um, it's just, it's taking so long for everything to arrive. And so it kind of takes away from that physical collection aspect. And I just, I think it is worth it. I think it is worth it to wait because you still get that that pleasure of opening it, playing it, being able to lend it or sell it if you need to, to a friend who wants to, you want to share that experience with. But this pandemic has not been very kosher to us physical collectors. I don't like it. No. Yeah. Like Carlos, yeah. you said that that copy of Carrion, that you ordered probably before it came out just came, right? And when did that game come out? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, oh that looks good. So, yeah, this took almost eight months to get, <laughs> and um, of course it's numbered there. Got to see that. Nice. Thank you, totally camera. Totally worth it. Um, Look at that gloss. So yeah, it took almost eight months. When I think they were they were expecting it to take four to five months maximum, uh, and. Uh, with the way that Special Reserve Games does their thing is they, you're basically waiting on 100% Discord. Like you sign up with an account, you buy whatever you buy uh, through your email that you set up with them, but then you're supposed to get updates from Discord, <laughs> which huh. I was totally not down for. Uh, I literally got the email that I ordered and then the email when it shipped. And again, that was over seven months apart. <laughs> Eight oh, months later. So, me, <laughs> yeah, me and like 40 other guys that were super psyched for this um, were in the Discord every day oh. <laughs> talking. And, and like you could tell everybody was trying to not talk shit the whole time. But <laughs> at the same time, we're like, we, we paid we paid the money already. You've got our money and we just we just want. We just want the same. <laughs> yeah, it was. Or at least an update. It's yeah, just exactly. Information. Exactly, and it was one of those situations where it's like I am a very patient person when it comes to that kind of stuff, and it was getting me riled up in the wrong way. Um, and it was really funny because uh, they would change one channel in the Discord every couple months. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, shipping estimated shipping dates for game blah blah blah." And had the new date 
and that would be the whole update. <laughs> what? And yeah, and so it's there's not a whole lot of systems for these things to change quickly. So um, there's all these amazing, amazing things that are that are being shown. And this, I will say, this thing is fucking phenomenal. I paid, I think it was forty five after shipping. Um, it came with a metal art print that's sitting on a little stand over here. It came with the Switch game, uh, full cartridge. Um, they also sent the uh, digital copy of the game, uh, which I I actually got two copies of. I already passed that along, actually, oh. unfortunately. But, wow, I mean, what are friends even for? <laughs> right? Wow. But as you guys know, I, are, I played this fucking game two times all the way through the first day it was out on Game Pass. And so yeah, then, that's I wild. Just, then I just waited for a full seven months for this. And right. it's... That's I mean, Carrion is a good game. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, technically it was worth it, but if I had if I had done that for, like, some of the other games that they have, um, no offense to it, like, my friend, my friend Pedro, fun game, super fun game, but there's no way in hell I would have paid, I would have paid and then waited that long for that game to come out. Uh, on their physical edition, and, and so it's it's just wild how the pandemic has changed, just the worth, the value of our time. <laughs> yeah, and I I think too, <clears throat> like a little bit of a barrier to be to like diving in as a collector is collectors' editions. Um, those things can get so expensive. Like we were talking about, I am eight bit the other day, and that they were going to be releasing the Disco Elysium final cut special edition with the vinyl and all this 200 some dollars it's just like oh only 200 250 it was 250 because the scott pilgrim re-release or whatever is like their most expensive one i think mm -hmm. is like 400 dollars. that's yeah, just wild stupid. like yeah. you're buying a playstation 5 basically for one collector's edition of a game which is just insane to me and it used to be that way with like dvds and Blu-rays, you would buy, like, maybe you, like, when the movie first came out, you bought just, like, the regular edition. And then they release, like, a director's cut special edition that's 40 or $50 instead of the $20 or whatever a DVD was back in the day. I still have, I have a whole bookshelf behind me full of DVDs, like, independent movie DVDs, like Magnet movies and IFC movies when I collected those. But I also have a box of dvds in my closet right now that weighs probably 200 pounds uh because there's so many dvds in it i just that's what yeah. i was afraid of in gaming is like getting that same like i have to have this and then um it's just sitting in a box you know like i don't even remember the last time i put a dvd in a dvd player um so wait i have a question yeah i have a question what is a DVD? A <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Don't start. <laughs> oh, man. Just kidding. And that's something, too, with the physical, like, especially with DVDs. And then I guess PlayStation figured this out when they, they started making them scratch-resistant. But if you, like, bought physical copies of DVDs, those could eventually just not work because they got scratched and then you are screwed. Then you have to buy, go, like, get them cleaned. Or, or even like maybe like Dreamcast games and like early PlayStation games, those can get scratched and you can't play them. Like, I just always like those kind of things always stop me 
at least in the recent years and and the expanse of digital stuff just kind of stopped me from diving deep down that um yeah like if you have a physical collection you definitely have to like take care of it like i can still play all of my original nes games from on my system that i had from childhood you know um i can play like all my game gear games all my dreamcast games and everything just because you know i just kept them safe and locked away i mean just a little wall but you know if you if you if you're not careful with any of your collector's items they will eventually stop working like you said so that is a like a, a, a pothole you have to look out for well some of these you had uh, when you were a kid and you're not even thinking about keeping them like for a long period of time you know right um so i i mentioned i talked to gary cooper yes uh, collector extraordinaire and scary he gary. described scary gary he described that you know normally you'd go into a physical place you'd go sale hunting deal hunting and uh now you're ordering online but you're paying a premium because that's the point is they're trying to sell you something so you're going to go where it's more accessible and you're going to pay for that accessibility uh well he's posted a bunch of uh pictures of one of the subscriptions that he's tried out recently Mm. which is video games monthly and as we've all seen there are plenty of duds in there but there are some quality ones um I mean, I'm not it a seems, collector, so I don't, It I don't seems really like he's getting much. more duds out of that than... Uh... Oh, well, 100%. He's getting but... a lot of imports that he can't necessarily play all the time. But I do. I am somebody that has a Korean ring fit that can technically play. So I feel technically? it. Technically? <laughs> yeah, it, it plays just fine. It just The box is kind of funny because it's got symbols on it, and it's awesome. Okay. Well, so he, <laughs> he did that, and he sent me a picture of the prices. So uh, for him, let's see. You can so he likes this because it scratches his itch because he still wants to collect stuff. He still wants new retro things, and right now that's the only way he can get it. So uh, video games monthly, you can get three games. It, basically, you don't know what you're gonna get. They can be for basically any system ever made. Uh, yeah, the list just is all all the systems I could name. Um, this says each month if you pay thirty five dollars, you get three random games. If you pay forty dollars, you get four. If you pay forty-five dollars, you get five. And if you pay eighty dollars, you get ten games every month. And I'm pretty sure, based wow. on the photos, that he is getting the ten games a month. Surprising no one. <laughs> Surprising no one, because he likes doing that stuff. And good for yeah. him. He can spend his money how he wants. Yeah. Um, but that's like his. That's what he's got to do. He he has no idea what he's gonna get, but it scratches that collector's itch because he that's all you can do right now yeah you can't go to those you um, can't go to like the <clears throat> vintage stocks and stuff right now i mean you can it just i would advise yeah, against it. not it, really i mean i've really thought about it but yeah so you can go in i mean as someone who's out in public every day public's not as scary as it sounds but it is also still a pandemic so you know yeah right do it safe for you uh but he does that uh he okay so uh I, I spend a bunch of time in one of the local computer groups for Kansas City. And uh, even though I don't care pretty much at all about getting new hardware, like the newest video cards, uh, I find it interesting to stay in those groups and see how people are reacting to, uh, oh, the 370 or the 370s are in stock at Micro Center today. They're so limited, you have to get a voucher and then, like you have to stand in line, get a voucher, and then go inside, and then pay 
full price for for the cards. Um, a lot of people are scalping them because the demand is so high. Um, the the issue now is that basically everyone who is at home, which is everybody, is experiencing collector prices because uh, the PlayStations all need chips. Uh, the All of the streaming hardware and internal hardware that people are buying right now for their computers because they're spending time at home, maybe they're working from home, maybe they are just spending more time on investing in you know physical things for their house instead of going out and spending money out in the world. Uh, if you are trying to buy a car, when you when you build the car, those use uh, a lot of the same like uh, in-demand components that all of these electronics need. So, um, you know, the the reason PlayStations, PS5s are hard to get is the same reasons that video cards just they can't seem to make as many as people want. Um, it's because there's it's a shortage of those chips, yeah. Yeah, and so everybody's <laughs> experiencing the same shortage, but it's affecting all of these industries that are uh, related to electronics. So it feels like for the first time, we're all collectively experiencing what it means to really compete for, you know, like a collector's item, to really yeah. to be looking for that, the Black Lotus magic card, you know, uh, where we're just like... <laughs> Right, like you know, just shut up and take my money. I mean, there are enough people that are going to pay whatever people are selling them for, um, and there's nothing we can do about it. All we can do is wait. Um, but it's just remarkable that the market changed so much that everybody wants everything all at the same time, and the world's not cut out to produce it. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is like everything subscription based, if if you can get it that way, um, but everything is supply and demand in like a black market sense. Like I've never seen it before. Um, and like I said, it, it's not just one or two items. It's like all electronics, even yep. uh, webcams for streaming that would have been just average prices are more expensive now than they were two years ago. You, you can get a brand new two year old webcam from like, you're going to pay more for it now than you would have when it was brand new, um, which is remarkable. Yeah. We are I mean, all the, a part of the collector zeitgeist now. Uh, Thomas, since we've gone incredibly long today, as per usual, how we do, um, you want to get into this community spotlight? Let's do it. So our spotlight today is Steve Haynes. That is uh, at O Man Steve O on Steve Twitter. Um, so Steve is a guy that I met uh, years ago online. Chris and I both met uh, in an online gaming group here in Kansas City. Uh, so talked to him a bunch online, met up with him in person, um, and then more recently, he is one of the first people I consistently started watching once I started using Twitch uh, about a year ago. I'd used Twitch before, but I'd never cared enough about any individual, uh, enough to really tune in regardless of what they were playing. Uh, well, when Steve played Wasteland 2, or uh, wait, am I saying that? Is it the Wasteland 2 that you also played? Three. three was only a couple months ago. Three. Yeah, ago. Uh, we played Wasteland 3, and I really enjoyed that. I watched Chris, I watched you, and uh, Steve both play that. So uh, his little bio here is, Hi, my name is Steve, and I love video games. I spend most of my gaming time on Xbox and PC, though I own a PS4 and Switch. I have really been into games since I was young. I worked at GameStop for a decade where I got a lot of cool insight into gaming, and it's how I met most of the friends I have today. I like to casually stream on Twitch because it's a cool way to hang out with friends during the pandemic. And I hope to lock in more of a standard schedule soon. 
I got oh, good I luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. Luck. Yeah, I've been I've so been trying hard. to get a static schedule going for like three months now. Yep. So <laughs> it's so <Same>. difficult. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot a lot easier said than done. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, I've heard him talk a whole bunch of. Uh, tell a bunch of stories about working at GameStop with a bunch of other people that uh, that we've met and who are in our community. And uh, it's fun hearing those stories because it's, uh, it's a different slice of life. You know, it's like talking about DVDs. Like, GameStop is still around, but it'll never be the way that it was. Yeah. Well, now it's, um, you know... <laughs> Now, yeah, now, they're, now it's all different stocks. Stocks. And the GameStop Discord, because there's one that's like, I'm part of it too, because I used to work for GameStop, and it's just a bunch of us like bullshitting about GameStop. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, so like... he, uh, you can follow him on Twitter. It's at uh, O Man Steve, S D E V O. Um, and you can find that in the show notes. So some of the questions that he answered, uh, let's see, single player or multiplayer? He says multiplayer, specifically co-op, fun with friends. Booyah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to playing uh, Valheim with him. Nice. Uh, mouse, mouse and keyboard or controller? He says keyboard and mouse is just better unless it's a 2D uh, side-scroller or platformer. Uh, what difficulty do you play on? Normal. I like fun, not frustration. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> We get we get a lot of that. Same uh, side side quest or main story. He says side quest because it gives the main story more context. Hmm. Uh, and then Man you go in loud or stealthy, a mix. I only do stealth if needed. Uh, and then the final one he answered. I said uh, computer RPG, Japanese RPG, or Western RPG. He answered uh, when I was younger, JRPGs uh, were his favorite because PS One was the golden era for those. But I've leaned towards Western as I've gotten older. Go for it. Which I can appreciate. So uh, thanks, Steve, for being our community spotlight. Everybody go follow him on Twitch and Twitter. Yay. And uh, hopefully you'll see him here on a, uh, a stream with one of us here uh, sooner than later. Uh, so that's our uh, spotlight. Chris, or uh, no, Debbie. I'm taking this from Chris. Debbie. What? Do you want to tell the fine people out there where they can find us? <laughs> well, I am fine people, they so I will fine. be happy to address the other fine people and tell them that uh, you can find us at leaktr.ee slash partyinvite. Um, it has links to all of our platforms that we're on, including Patreon, where you can uh, get some of our features before anyone else, like our... Is it fight? No, we should, it's not Fight Club anymore. It's Roundtable. I mean, one more round. One more round. Yes. We got that. Yep. So if you want to see more of that, um, anything else early, please, please, please check out our Patreon. And then also, you know, check out our other links too. Mm -hmm. And then share us and like and subscribe. Yeah, share exactly. share, share as much as you can if you like what we're doing. And hit that bell for notifications. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, everyone will. <laughs> oh, and you know what? This is a reminder that uh, our Discord has a channel that lets you know when anybody in our community goes live. Um, and that's how I usually know when Steve goes live. So go check that out. And if you're ever bored and you don't know who to follow on Twitch, we got a whole feed of that. We've got so many people that stream. It's ridiculous. You will Hello. find someone. Yep. I think we all do. Like all of us, too. Yeah. It's like everybody, they got a podcast. Everybody's got a stream. <laughs> right. All right, y'all. Uh, thank you for listening uh, or watching uh, to this one. And we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.